I'm doing two episodes in one week. This is how you really know the NBA is starting to starting to get some traction because I'm actually doing a two episode week for the first time and Lord knows how long. At least probably a couple months. I've been doing one a week since since March, since the season halted two and a half months ago. Anyway, on the <laughs> Skype line, I've got so I figured I wrote this piece with James Edwards who covers the Pistons and and Tim Cato covers the the Mavericks, which of course made everybody hate all three of us earlier this week, uh, where we did a draft for 2025. And uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. We're projecting into 2025. Who's going to be good? Who's not? We decided to get risky with many of our picks. And uh, I thought it would be nice to do an accompanying podcast on this because Bradley Beal ended up inadvertently kind of being a central uh, figure in this. And we were going to talk about Beal and we figure we'll talk some some playoff format news as well. So on the line, Tim was not able to make it, unfortunately. But on the line, I got James, Edward, James Edwards, uh, James L. Edwards the <laughs> third. James, thanks for coming on, man. Of course, man. You know, as your listeners know, this is I, I always pick up the phone when I get the call to be on uh, Wizards After Dark. So thank you for having me. Even when it's not after dark. No, it's not even. I mean, it's pretty dark. I don't know. Is there sun out in D.C.? Or are you in? I'm in New York. State? I'm in New York. It's uh, the sun out in New York. It's quite overcasty. Yeah, same in Michigan. It's uh, this is like wizards amidst fog. <laughs> yes, that's that's exactly what it is here. It's foggy. It's it's like glowing, but you can't see the sun. Sky is just pasty white. It's ugh. so so. I will say I I want to get to the the draft in in a. You know what? Let's see. You want to do draft first or you want to talk playoffs first? Let's do draft first. Let's do draft first. So if you haven't read this piece, this went up on Tuesday. Uh, I should say part one went up on Tuesday. We're recording this one Thursday afternoon. It's going to go up Friday morning, I think. Uh, But we recorded this on Tuesday. The byline is is Fred Katz, James L. Edwards III, and Tim Cato. Uh, You can find that over on the Athletics NBA page. If you're not a subscriber, by the way, you can get a annual subscription to The Athletic for 40% off. If you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, that comes out to $36 for a full year transcription for a full year subscription. And uh, you can transcribe for 36 bucks too. You can, tra- you can transcribe for free. Honestly, you can just take audio from anywhere and just transcribe in your free time. But if you want a subscription for a full year, you can sign up for 40% off at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. And that gets you Full access to the site, not just my work or Wizards After Dark, but but everything. Anyway, so you can go on there. You can find that on the NBA section. And, and we we drafted teams, not who we think is going to be the best player, but putting together the best rosters. Um, and then on Thursday morning, so this morning, John Hollinger uh, was cool enough to go through the draft and kind of critique our picks and critique our decisions and, and kind of have a greater conversation about the NBA in 2025 and all that and what we projected to look like and all those sorts of things. So the first thing I want to talk about is Wizards related because people mentioned it in the comments. The four guys who I saw mentioned in the comments, because for some reason I read the comments, the four guys were mentioned in the comments. I think Nikola Jokic was the most for, for not getting drafted. Nikola Jokic was the most. Obviously, Jokic is like a top. I mean, he's going to be my first te- first team All NBA center this year, and he's twenty four years old. So Jokic was the most. Uh, Joel Embiid was mentioned. Carl Anthony Towns was mentioned, and Bradley Beal was mentioned. Bradley Beal didn't go. He'll be thirty one in twenty twenty five, which is not exactly old. Let's start on yep. Beal. This is, after all, Wizards amidst fog. 
Let's uh, <laughs> let's start on Beal. Why do you think Beal didn't go? Well, I think first and foremost, which people just seem to not, I don't know, pick up on when they read the story, and I grazed the comments and saw what you put in our our group text that me, you, and Cato have. Um, like only three people drafted, so players are going to get left out. Like, I don't understand why that was such a big deal to people. And depending on what kind of roster you were trying to build, like some guys were just going to get left out. So Beal, I mean, I, I can speak on my half. My first two picks were uh, Antetokounmpo and Jason Tatum. And I, I the ball is going to be in, in Giannis's hand, and Jason was going to be my, my swing guard. Um, so, like, I didn't have a need for Beal – um, at the at that point, should I probably got him instead of Mitchell down the line? Maybe, but I kind of wanted a combo guard. And I mean, it's just I, I think Bill. If five people were drafting, Bill would have got picked, or four people, Bill would have got picked. You can make a really good team from him if we added one more person and and they picked the leftovers, they'd have a sick team. Like it was just there's only so many people picking. Um, you're trying to build a team, and I mean I'll talk about that when we get to Jokic. But Bill is a great player. He's going to be good. I think he'll be as good at 30, 31. I just I didn't need Bradley Beal on on my team. Yeah, I I didn't take Beal because there there was a point in the draft where I could have taken Beal or I could have taken 35-year-old Clay Thompson. Yeah. And if you ask me flat out who's going to be better, 31-year-old Bradley Beal or 35-year-old Clay Thompson when we don't know how Clay is going to respond to the ACL. I I assume Clay is going to be okay. Like it's 2020. Guys come back from ACLs and they tend to be okay. That's that's a different level than an Achilles. Yeah. Like that's not a Kevin Durant, John Wall situation to me. Guys, no. like ACL is not a career ruiner often anymore. Um, so the question there was not who's better, thirty five year old Clay Thompson or thirty one year old Bradley Beal. The question for the me was the answer is Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal yeah. will be a better player, but we're making real teams, and at that point. I have John Morant, I have Trey Young, and I have Luka Doncic. Those are going to be my three guys who are creating tons of stuff. And my whole draft strategy was, which I say in the piece, my whole draft strategy was I wanted I wanted shooters and I, I wanted guys who could defend, guys who were going to make more of a difference off the ball. Now, Bradley Beal is a wonderful off-ball player. He is great running off screens, but he's not as good of a shooter as Klay Thompson, which is not a knock on Bradley Beal. Klay Thompson might be the second best shooter of all time. Klay Thompson might be literally the best catch and shoot player who has ever picked up a basketball. He scored 60 without dribbling. Yeah. So, so I figure Klay would be better for that. Klay is also a more versatile defender. And I realize he's not going to be as athletic at 35 and who knows after the ACL, but Bradley Beal hasn't really shown he's had seasons where he's been better defensively than he was this year. But I don't know if I, I'm not confident that Beal's going to be like some excellent defender at 31 or anything like that. So I went, I went Clay Thompson. Now I can't speak for you guys. You guys picked on your own. That said, right. you took Tyler hero. I would have taken yeah. Bradley Beal over Tyler hero. Like I think Bradley Beal should have been drafted. I would have taken Bradley Beal over Tyler hero in a second. Cato took. I'm just going to spend this whole podcast throwing Cato under the bus because he's not here to defend himself. Cato, Cato took um, Buddy Hield, who is a year older than Bradley Beal. Um, I realize Buddy Beald, Buddy Buddy Beald, Buddy Hield is is probably a better three point shooter. Um, Buddy Hield also takes 
more uh, percentage-friendly three-point shots, I would rather have Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal is much better running off screens than Heald is. Bradley Beal is phenomenal with pin downs, all that kind of stuff. So I would, and you can still, he can run a pick and roll. Like he can come before you. I would have taken him over Donovan Mitchell if I were you as well. That being said, I think one bias that we all had, um, it's not even necessarily a bad thing. It makes an exercise like this a lot more fun. One bias that we had was we had a projected improvement bias. So everyone who we thought would improve a lot, we had a bias to taste like really young guys. We had a bias to take over guys who are just already really good and will still be really good five years from now. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And so for, yeah, I probably should have taken Buddy Heald over Tyler Hero, but like you heard, wow, you got me doing it. Uh, Bradley Beal over Tyler Hero. But what I wanted, just kind of what I wanted to put together with my team, I wanted the longest team that could make you feel like you had no chance guarding them because there's Giannis, there's Porzingis, there's Davis, there's Tatum, there's SGA, just multiple ball handlers, shooters, length. And then defensively, I wanted the same thing. You don't, I don't want you to be afraid to go to every single inch of the court. And with that being said, Beal doesn't fit the length uh, kind of criteria I was going for. And I had so many ball handlers, I wanted a low-maintenance type player. And, I, and like you said, Beal can play without the ball. But Beal's, I would say, at his best with the ball in his hand, being a primary guy. And Tyler Hero, who's was had a really good rookie year, still, I mean, it's still going on. He's a low-maintenance offensive player. And he, for him to be as good as he was his rookie year, again, a projected that he'll be maybe a better version of, I hate doing the white guy, white guy comparison, like J.J. Redick. He'll be a better version of that, being able to put the ball on the floor more. Like So I, I was projecting Donovan Mitchell again, a guy who's been to the playoffs multiple times in only three years, the best player on a playoff team. Multiple, um, he can play off ball, he can play point guard. Um, that, that was my logic there, and he's, he's younger than Beal, so... I love Bradley Beal. I'm actually wearing a Bradley Beal jersey right now. Um, <laughs> I just, again, yeah, I was I was looking for certain things with my teams. I wanted low maintenance. I wanted a low maintenance guard off the bench. That if I wanted to, and it's funny how we're talking about it. Like we're actually going to coach this team one day. Um, well, that was the exercise. Yeah, no, that was the exercise. And I and I looked at Hero, and I was like, this is a guy that I could play with any lineup. He'll be low maintenance and he'll be effective. Donovan Mitchell's a guy that if I wanted to play him at point guard with the starters, I could. If I wanted to play him off ball with the starters I could if I wanted to play um him as the lead point guard on my second team doing pick and rolls like it's again we were trying to build teams and with only three people drafting somebody's going to get left out yes people did get left out I uh I want to mention Jokic because I know you want to throw all the Nuggets fans under the bus I want to hear you spew fire so the centers who were taken were Bam Adebayo Kristaps Porzingis. I'm not even going to say the centers who were taken. I'm just going to say the people who could play center who were taken. Yeah. Bam Adebayo, Kristaps Porzingis, because, you know, Porzingis is a 4-5. Jaron Jackson is going to start at the 5 for for Cato. He just really didn't go with a conventional center. Mitchell Robinson was taken and DeAndre Ayton was taken. Who took Mitchell Robinson? <laughs> <laughs> That that pissed off oh, the yeah, Jokic fans. That pissed off the Jokic fans. Um, so no Jokic, no Embiid, and no Towns. I very strongly considered Towns with the last pick. 
But like, again, it comes down to just that you're making a team roster, right? Like, and by the way, if you go to the athletic, like you can, you can see, we got the lost rosters laid out and all that kind of stuff. And I don't need to infringe on, on every single pick, but, um, but you know, I've got Bam Adebayo as my starting center. And then I kind of just had a bunch of wings, none of whom are rim protecting wings. You know, you had Anthony Davis and Chris Dapps and, and Giannis at the three. Like Giannis is going to protect the rim at the three. No yeah. one else is going to do that. I had 33-year-old Kawhi Leonard and, and, and you know, not a lot of guys who are going to do that. Siakam's a good defender. Jalen Brown's a good defender. Bam is going to start at the five, but I I needed someone who was going to provide 14 to 18 minutes of basically downward motion and diving within the offense and be able to protect the rim. And Towns is obviously going to be a better player than Mitchell Robinson in five years, barring injury. Like, of course he is. He's already the best offensive center in the NBA. And he's, but he's a terrible defender. It's not even that he's a terrible defender. Even he's just not the the type because he has ability defensively. Yeah. And like I bet you, if you put him in a better situation, he'd be a better defender. It's just that he's not the type of defender that I would need. I needed someone who was going to guarantee that if I'm going up against a team that has Giannis and Anthony Davis and Shea Gilgis Alexander and Jason Tatum amongst others, and then another team that has. Jaron Jackson and Zion Williamson and Ben Simmons and and Damian Lillard, then I need to protect the rim and I need to do that for 48 minutes. And if I have Bam playing 32 minutes a game and then at backup center, I have Towns or if I have Towns for 20 minutes and Bam for 28 or whatever it ends up being, or even say Towns outplays Bam and just forces your hand and has to play, it's like, you're not going to have that elite rim protection. Like good rim protection is not enough in this situation. And I thought I needed elite and Mitchell Robinson still has no idea where to be. But again, it's that like improvement projection bias. I'm just kind of assuming that in in hoping in five years that a 26 year old Mitchell Robinson, 27 year old Mitchell Robinson will actually know, have a better idea of where to be on the court. And the fact that he is an outrageously talented rim protector might actually project him into being a, a great shot alterer and someone who deters people from going into the paint and all that kind of stuff. Someone who can actually affect Ben Simmons at the rim. Someone who can actually affect Giannis and Anthony Davis at the rim. I mean, that's that's kind of what I hope. And And just from a stylistic standpoint, from a defensive tool standpoint, there are just very, very few people in the league who are physically capable of doing that. Yeah, and that was kind of my reasoning for not taking Cat or Jokic. Cat is not a terrible defender. That was me just being hot take guy. He's he was he's shown flashes. He's been good at times and he's been bad at times. Uh, like you said, different situation may change that. Like my. How we project part of it too is that we haven't really mentioned yet. Aside from projecting how players will be, we're trying to project how the league will be. And even right now, the one of the most important things to have on a roster, one of the most coveted things, is elite rim protection and rim running. And it's only going to increase in values over the next few years. Um, and so for me, what I wanted to do, while Porzingis, yes, could he be injured and out of the league in five years? Yes. 
of course. But him and Davis are interchangeable at the 4-5. Defensively, I'm, there might not be a – I mean, I would imagine if, if these teams came to fruition in five years from now, that would be the best front court duo there is defensively. Offensively, both are somewhat low maintenance. I, I'm sure Przingis – I wouldn't have to worry about Przingis crying about touches. He'd be 100% fine doing pick-and-pop threes for 48 minutes. Anthony Davis can rim run. And he shot well from the corner threes this year. I imagine he'll get better as a three-point shooter. Just two low-maintenance guys on offense who have the ability to rim run, stretch the floor, and then defensively, nobody is going to score on Porzingis and Davis. It was That's exactly what I wanted. Length, switchability, um, floor spacing. And then I love Jokic. I'm actually wearing a Jokic jersey under my Beal jersey. Um, <laughs> I, I love Jokic with all my heart. My dad lives in Denver. I Root for the Nuggets. I like the Nuggets. I love Nick Cosmider, who covers the Nuggets. I love everything about the Nuggets. Gary Harris, Michigan State, all day. Uh, we can go down the list. Uh, Monty Morris from Flint. Like, I love the Nuggets. Jokic needs a ball in his hand to be most effective. I want the ball in Giannis's hands at all times. Defensively, Jokic doesn't fit what I'm trying to do. And same thing for Cat. I didn't need more scoring. I, don't, I didn't need that on my team. I'm I'm fine scoring the ball, and then I did, I needed defense. I needed two way players. So, with again with only three people drafting and different philosophies for how they want to build their team, guys are going to get left out. And Jokic, Cat, Embiid is another one. Yeah, I could make the case Embiid could be as healthy as Porzingis two years down the line for sure. Uh, but I think Embiid is more high maintenance than Porzingis. I don't. I think most would agree with that. Well, for me so, with Embiid, it was it was just the medical stuff. I mean, he's 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 been. I mean, he he plays even seasons when he's air quotes healthy. He's hurt. Yeah. I mean, he's going yeah. through something. He misses fifteen games because of whatever. He he's playing hurt during the playoffs. Like, there is always something, and in this situation where you have an opportunity to just take now. Maybe with that last pick, if I wanted a rim protector, maybe with that last pick, I should have just said, what the hell are you doing? Why are you taking Mitchell Robinson? Take Embiid. It's worth it for a backup center role for 16 minutes. It's right. worth a risk. I'm fine with that that argument. But I even said in the thing, I made a joke that my team doctors red flagged him and labeled him a do not draft. So, so like, you know, I, I just I went away with it because the medicals would, would the medical history scares me off too much. But if you say like. Hey, you want a defender, you want a rim protector, take the best freaking defensive center in the game. Okay. Like that's fine. You could say a similar thing with Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert was was more about he'll be in his 30s then and I kind of angled away from it. Again, improvement projection bias, but um yeah, I mean you can make the argument with Embiid, but Embiid to me it was it was purely just about medical history and that was it. And with Jokic like it's also about the fact that Jokic is there's a lot of talk about Jokic staying in shape and now how out of shape he was when he showed up this year and the way he played himself into shape. It's easier to do that when you're 24 years old than it is when you're 29 years old. Right. You know? No, you're right. And to go yeah, like so for me like if people make the argument well you took Porzingis because and he's always injured by not taking Bead. For me that came down to high maintenance low maintenance. And Bead is going to pout if he doesn't have the ball. I don't Porzingis we can work in throughout the confines of the offense that I want to run and he would be fine um and then you like you said Jokic like I was making jokes to people on Twitter that were yelling at us that it Jokic could be 400 pounds I'm obviously joking 
I mean, he could be, but like I, that was just me joking. But like you said, he's been playing himself into shape. He's only 24. It's going to get harder to do that when he's older. He needs the ball. And the, what do we love about Jokic is him being the hub of the offense and his passing. I have Giannis. I don't. I love the Jason Williams, Jokic, sick passes, but I have Giannis, so I'm trying to have the ball in his hands at all times. It just didn't fit for me. Um, and I would imagine, that if, again, if we had a, a fourth person drafting, uh, Jokic and Embiid or Jokic and Cat would be the starting front court on that fourth person's team. Yep, things look different. And Hollinger mentioned this in the follow-up piece from this morning. Things look different when a guy is a, has an opportunity to be a lead guy than it is when his role is forced into him being secondary or tertiary or even right. lower than that. And look, we see this with Team USA all the time. Every four years, we see this with Team USA. Yeah. We see DeAndre Jordan make Team USA, even though no one thinks DeAndre Jordan is a top 12 player. You know? That's it. It's, it's, well, you need a rim protector and a rebounder there. You see Tyson Chandler make it, even though nobody thought Tyson Chandler was a top 12 player. You yeah. see, you see the calls for that team needs an extra shooter. That team needs an extra shooter. When, when they, when they stunk it up in 2004, it wasn't because of talent. It was because they had a roster that made no sense. So exactly. there are challenges to that. I'm sure there were. You know, we jumped in a Google Doc and and did this together. Like, I'm sure there are situations where very intelligent people can make very intelligent arguments for Jokic or for Beal. I mean, look, I think Beal should have been drafted. I think by the time I took Clay Thompson, I don't think he fit on my team, but I would have taken him over over some of your guys' picks. Um, I just wasn't taking players of his role at that point anymore because I was kind of all filled up and I had other needs. Um, right. You're talking about Beal, right? Yeah, Beal. Embiid, Embiid's like, yeah, you could argue that you could easily argue I should have taken Embiid over Mitchell Robinson. I mean, we're projecting medicals that we don't have access to read. So it's like. Is Mitchell, would Mitchell be your starter? No, bam. Yeah, so exactly. So it's like, if you're, if we're building teams, which is what the exercise was, Embiid is going to be horrible to deal with coming off the bench. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even consider that. I'm just I'm just assuming that that I'm I've I'm running a tremendous organization with fantastic culture and everybody buys in. <laughs> See, I factored that in. I was like, I do not want to be the one that Jimmy Butler's cussing out my players in practice. Like, I just didn't want to be that guy. I don't want the tabloids. Instead, you'll have Tyler Hero taking learning from Jimmy Butler and then cursing everybody else out in practice. I mean, Embiid or or Jokic could have gone to Cato's team. I mean, Cato just really. The closest thing he has to a center is Jaron Jackson. I mean, he could he could use he's got Jaron Jackson and and Zion and Paul George as his three forwards to go with Devin Booker and and Cade Cunningham in his projected starting lineup. And then he's got Ben Simmons and I I know people love Matisse Thibel. I would not have come close to taking him taking him during this exercise. I just I just would not have done that at all. Is that all right? Who's more of a reach? Thibel or Hero? Thibel. All right, good. I'm glad you said that. Phew. Yeah, Thibel. But it's close, though, right? Or no? In your mind. There, I think they're both reaches. I, I wouldn't have taken. I wouldn't have taken either of those guys in this exercise. That's fair. I, I my thing with Hero 
what did he average this year? Is 12, 14? Yeah, something on in there. Good, Shoots the three on, incredibly well on a high volume. On a good team. Like, I just – I imagine that he's going to be – I know people are – he kind of fell off second half of the season. I, the kid's going to be good. Yeah. I don't know how good – He's yeah, going to be really good. In, again, improvement projection bias. That's that's what we had during this whole thing. My thing is, if we did this in 2009 – with somebody for if we did this in 2009 for 2014, do you think JJ Reddick would have been drafted? No, not in 2009. Nah. For two, for two. Hold on, can let's pull up JJ stats really quick because JJ in 2009 I, was like a a nice role player on that Magic team. The game was very different. Okay, 2009. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm I'm thinking he's. Younger than he is. Um, so we'll say 2013 to 20, but then that's kind of... Okay, so 2013, he averaged 15. And then five years from that, he averaged 18. So it's like, yeah, would you probably draft JJ? It depends on, again, fit and low maintenance and all that stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to... My, I, I just I just think there are, there are better, better, more talented players that can yeah. jump into that role. That's all. I like Tyler Hero a lot. He's going to be really good. We could be wrong. Again, this is like... But if he's going to be really good, how is it a bad pick? I just think it was a reach. Because there are players who are already really good and will continue to be really good. Right. Is there... Okay, outside of Beal, though, and I know I'm putting you on the spot and I'm trying to think of one, too. Is there anybody definitively that we will say will continue... Like, Beal is as good right now as he'll probably be at 30. Okay, fine. Is there another guard like that that's that could be solid being a fourth, fifth option? Because that's what I wanted with Hero, a low-maintenance, fourth, fifth, plug-and-play guy. Well, there are, there are a few people I could bring up. One, okay. one, that, one that I'll say is uh, one who, who did not get drafted – and and I didn't want to draft because I thought he might just be retired by then. But like Steph Curry, that was late in the draft. I think I would yeah, take. Uh, yeah. I still think I would take Steph Curry over Tyler Hero, even though he would have been the oldest player he could drafted. Be retired. Yeah, we did. We did. But that's Is just he'll someone. Six. Uh, he'll be thirty-seven then. Yeah, like Steph. Steph's done. Maybe. I just think I would take the risk on Steph Curry. If you just want a guy who's going to run off screen, shoot threes, all that, I would take the risk on on 37-year-old Steph Curry still being around and still bombing at 43% than than I would uh, would with Tyler Hero. That's all. But but then he has to guard. Yeah. Point guards. Yeah. That's true. I mean, he could just be a two. Yeah, but he has to guard guard. Like, yeah, no, you're right. I mean... I have a Steph jersey under my Jokic jersey, and I love Steph. Same birthday. Right. No, I'm with you. Defense will be a problem. The defense will be a problem. You go Beal. Should we talk about Ingram? Yeah, we can talk about Ingram. Let's talk about Ingram. Because he didn't end up getting picked, right? He did not end up getting picked, and he definitely could have gotten picked. I, I think he goes back to what you said and what Hollinger said. I'm not sure Ingram, and we have a small sample size that fits this theory, Ingram is, from what we know so far, Ingram is at his best when he's the guy. 
and he would not be the guy on any of our teams. He wouldn't be the third guy, fourth guy. Um, and I, that was my thinking. Like I just, it could, would Brandon Ingram be as effective being the third, fourth option on my team? And I just, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't totally convinced of that. But if we had a fourth team, he would have been drafted. Yes, he would have been a star. By the way, um, I would have taken Duncan Robinson over Hero too. Oh no! I, I he went to Michigan. I I would never. <laughs> I would never. I do like Duncan though. I just. <laughs> Yeah, it would never. Yeah, I mean, there are other young guys you could have could have you know projected it onto like Duncan Robinson. You could have gone um, Kevin Herter. You could have gone Landry Shamit, and that doesn't necessarily make Hero. Those are kind of all along. I think Hero's better lines. than all of them. That's fair. That's fair. I don't like Herter. Oh, I like Herter a lot. I think he's good. He's like, good. He can like Kevin run Herter's- an occasional pick and roll too. Like he can do a little stuff with the ball. He's he's kind of an underrated passer. Like I think we had this talk, I think, during our dialogue, or maybe when we were just on the phone, I can't remember. I don't think Kevin Herter is better than Luke Kennard. I think Luke Kennard's pretty good. I do, too. I like how this has just turned into a conversation of a bunch of white dudes who play shooting guard. (laughs) No, but there's a lot of good players that fit that that mold. And I, I, I know people like Herter, and I don't watch him as much as others, and I see Luke Kennard every day. I just think Kennard's better than Herter, and but people love Kevin Herter, and he has a bigger sample size. Luke was having a great year before he got hurt, but I think Hero and Luke are above Herter. I like I put Hero. I think he has that type of scoring ability, not just a spot up guy, not just a occasional can do stuff in the pick and roll. I think he can be really good. Can I can I go on a rant right now? Yeah, because we I just we spent way too much time talking about Tyler Hero in a <laughs> fantasy draft. <laughs> I, I need to I need to go on a rant right now, changing the topic. Are we done? Are we done? Do you have anything else you want to say before I go on my rant? Um, no. Go ahead. All right. So I touched on this a little bit on on the episode I did earlier this week with Alex Schiffer. I am just I'm I'm baffled by how many people think it's a good idea for the NBA to change their playoff format in the middle of a freaking season. I'm just baffled by it. Like, great people. Like, fantastic NBA media and people in the league. Like, great, great people. The people who I have the the utmost respect for and think are freaking phenomenal at their jobs. Zach Lowe is as good as there is in this entire business. Kevin O'Connor is great. And works his ass off and is just wildly knowledgeable and puts it's so obvious how much work he puts into every single thing that he turns out. He's fantastic. Yeah. All these people who are great. And I'm just shocked that this I don't know if it's sentiment or if it's just like part of my bubble or whatever. But people like the idea of doing the World Cup style groups and people like the idea of a play in tournament. The world, the World Cup groups is terrible because what happens if a team loses its first four games? You're going to have tanking in the playoffs. You think that a team is just going to play its really good player who's slightly banged up if they start off like 0-4? That's terrible. But the idea of changing around a playoff format in the middle of a season is if you if you have if you enter this thing, you know. 
no matter what. And this is not necessarily an argument for what I believe or what I believe people should believe. This is an argument about perception, not necessarily reality. And perception is important here because a season means nothing if the perception is that the champion doesn't count. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing, right? So that's the problem when you have scandals with people cheating. You now have created a perception that the champion doesn't count. So no matter what, there's going to be an asterisk on this champion. Now, an asterisk is not necessarily a terrible thing. There's an asterisk on the 99 Spurs. There's an asterisk on the 2012 Heat because both of them won in lockout shortened seasons. But we don't consider those champions illegitimate. We still say... Tim Duncan has five rings. We still say LeBron has three rings or Dwayne Wade has three rings. Like we still say that those guys have that many rings. And when we have those conversations, we don't just cut them short and say, well, LeBron has technically has three rings, but he kind of has two. No, we, we count it. It might have an asterisk in a longer conversation about the title that year, but it, it counts. And right. what the NBA has to do here, in my opinion, is not necessarily work towards eliminating the asterisk because the asterisk is there. What they have to do is do everything in their power to make sure that the asterisk doesn't become something where the champion becomes illegitimate in people's eyes. And if you start messing around with the playoff format, then that is a gimmick that is going to make it seem more illegitimate. If you start, um, if you do a group format and the Bucks get bounced in the first round and the Lakers and the Clippers get bounced early and the Lakers end up winning a title. You think people are just going to be like, yeah, yeah, LeBron totally has four rings now. No, people are going to be like, you changed the playoff format and knocked out the best teams early. The Lakers didn't have right. to go through anyone. Everyone's going to say it's illegitimate. And I don't know what the NBA is. I don't know why the NBA would want to put themselves in a position to where people will be saying that their champion did not actually win in a legitimate fashion. I, I don't know why that would be viewed at as a good viewed as a good thing. You can change the format in the future. You do it in the middle of a season, during a season where people are already going to be saying like, okay, they won, but they won in kind of a quirky different way. Um I don't know why I don't know. Do you disagree? I just I feel like I'm kind of crazy because I don't see very many people agreeing with me on this um i agree to an extent do i like there's certain aspects that have been thrown out there that i don't agree with or like i I just don't love like again the world cup group stage type thing i don't like that i think every team that goes down to the bubble should have something to play for so like i don't think the regular season like it should be done like i don't the Pistons should not be going down to florida um and I don't think that playoff seedings should be determined by that. So, for example, I'm just using the Pistons. We could use the Wizards because that's who we cover. Pistons go down there for four or five games, and these games say they count towards a team seeding. Like they're not going to go down there and play with Blake and Derrick Rose. Like they're going to, they're right on the cusp of landing the best odds for the number one pick. They're going to not do that. They're going to play their young guys. I think what I, I don't mind a play-in tournament for this reason because the season did get cut short. Like, I know I know Detroit had 16 games left, so I imagine most teams had 13 to 18, 17 games left. That's enough. I know there's – in the West, it's closer than it is in the East, I think. I haven't looked in a while. 
Um, that's enough games that something weird could happen in the eight seed changes um, in, in different seedings. So what I do think a play-in tournament would be fair um, because there was a, a, a decent portion of the season, not a decent portion, but a good amount of portion of the regular season left. Um, and I do think that there should be some type of play-in tournament for the teams like the Spurs, um, who, who's right under Memphis. Uh, uh, right under Memphis is Portland. Portland. And then New Orleans, and um, then Sacramento and San Antonio. And then in the East, I know that race is a little bit – it's not as – sorry, I'm trying to look it up on the fly. In the Wizard, Wizards are five and a half back of, of eight, and they're ninth. Okay, so that one's done. and I. But what I would say, it's tough because the race – so then I guess you just tell the teams that didn't make it tough luck. We're going to do the regular playoffs with the teams that are there right now. I, I, I agree at the core of what you're saying is they, there shouldn't be anything gimmicky. Um, it's either give the teams on the cusp of the playoffs a chance to get it because there, again, there was more than 10 games left or just go ahead with the playoff teams that are in there now. Um, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't think you should change it in the middle of the season, like you said, I, I, I agree that maybe people are trying to get this, make it a spectacle, maybe make people tune in more. I think people are going to tune in anyway, cause they just want sports and it's the NBA. Um, but yeah, there's no point in doing anything gimmicky. Let's just either the teams in the playoffs you're in and these is, that's who's coming to Florida or you give the Spurs Grizzlies, um, Gosh, who, did you say New Orleans or uh, not New Orleans? Who's nine? Portland. Portland, a chance to get it, um, and I think that's fair. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Would you argue with that? Do you think that Portland um, and those teams should have a chance to get it, or you think no? No, no. I mean, why though? Because they're not in the top eight, and we we yeah. played we if. We played enough games to where the sample size is legitimate and they're not in the top eight. Um, If you want to do kind of a play in tournament, I mean, that's just another gimmick. I would rather than a play in tournament because at some point you you have to. um, I understand that this is all to make money, right? I understand that this is this is all okay. Well, if we have a play in tournament, people might actually want to watch Portland and Sacramento play a game that might actually get somebody to turn tune into a game with two teams below 500. I don't really feel bad for any team that is well below 500 and didn't make the playoffs. I just don't. You're well before 500, below 500. You weren't good. And and I think a lot of this from what people's from what everybody has said and from a million different reports so much of it is find a way to get zion williamson into the playoffs first of all i feel like that's a thing that's short-sighted and could backfire because the same ploy that could get you the 10 seed zion williamson into the playoffs is one that could end up with john morant and luka Doncic getting eliminated so is that is that the trade-off that you want it's a very weird thing i'm also like how does no one find that dirty? Like, how does no one find the NBA 
potentially, and look, I'm just working off of reports on this, right? The reports say the league right. wants to get Zion Williamson into the playoffs. How is, how is everyone just fine with the league changing its playoff format in the middle of the year just to get a rookie who it wants to make into a huge you know public figure star into the playoffs when his team didn't make the playoffs? Like, how is everyone just cool with that? That's crazy. No, I, I agree with that statement. But what I would say is, and this isn't an argument for Zion getting in at all. So Dallas is the seventh seed, and they're seven games ahead of Memphis. To me, it, so like, it's Memphis is thirty-two and thirty-three. It's not like they're three and a half back for ahead of Portland and New Orleans with sixteen games left. Like that's not a crazy. They that's not a crazy. If they caught them, if the season was normal, and one of those two teams under Memphis made the playoffs, nobody would think it's that's that crazy. Three and a half with sixteen games left. Isn't that hard to do? So then, instead of a instead of a play in tournament, then play six more regular season games. Play seven more regular season games. I just don't see. But then, I also, I, I also, from a health perspective, by the way, I, I'm already wary about coming back. Like I, I I'm waiting August, to see. Yeah. I'm waiting to see exactly how the NBA handles this before I cast any judgment because that's. It's not fair for me to project what they're going to do and then think, you know, then then uh, place judgment on what I think they're going to do when it might not even be what they end up doing. So I'm waiting to see exactly what the plan is before I cast any judgment on any of this. But I'm already skeptical about whether it's a socially responsible decision to come back and use up all these tests and all those sorts of things. The more teams you bring, the more people you add to the bubble the less it becomes right. an actual bubble. Like, is right. is 1,300 people living in one society, really, living on one campus, as much of a bubble, you know, taking in food deliveries and all those sorts of things, is that as much of a bubble as we wanted to believe? And if you do 20 teams instead of 16 teams, well, that's you're adding 25% of the team personnel that you got to bring. I mean, that's not that's not an inconsequential number of people that you're bringing, which also means maybe more essential workers who are there. I mean, there, right. there are ripple effects and you end up you end up with a good amount more people. I don't know how many more essential workers. I don't know what the ratio is, but that's 20, 25%, whatever it ends up being, more people than you originally have. Just like limiting people, I feel like that that, I, that we can't ignore that element of all of this too. You want to limit the no, number of I people think, who are there. No, you're right. And my heart tells me, let's just do... Where the standings are now, those 16 teams go. But then there's part of me, it's like, man, like New Orleans and Portland, while they're not good, Memphis is good. The only reason we think Memphis is good is because it's a bunch of young guys. Their record, they're under 500. And so I, I can understand the frustration and the difficulty in making that decision because, again, three and a half games with 16 left, it's not impossible to do. Um but I, I, I just think there's so much nuance to it. You're just going to probably have to – Portland's not going to like you for a year and New Orleans not going to like you for a year, and you're just going to have to go with those six, those the top eight. What, now, I have a question. For I you. mean, that's, that's fine, though. I mean, if you take 12 from the west and eight from the east, then, like, Washington and Charlotte aren't going to like you for a year. And if you take 20 yeah. teams, then 
Phoenix, which is 21, isn't going to like you for a year. Like, there's just no scenario in which everyone's... Phoenix isn't going to be like, yeah, 20, that seems fair. And the Wizards aren't going to be like, yeah, take take 12 from the West, that seems fair. No, I mean, if I were an Eastern Conference owner and I were voting on this, I would, whether I own the Bucks or I own the Knicks, I would I would just up and down the standings. I, I would never, ever vote for a proposal from a strategic standpoint, by the way, this is not from like a, what's good for the league standpoint. I'm just putting my, my thought process. I'm, I'm, you know, taking over an NBA team for the sake of this. But if I were running an Easter conference team and I, I was, I had a vote at that board of governors meeting, I would never vote for a proposal that allowed a disproportionate amount of numbers come in from the conferences. Cause even if I owned the bucks and it really didn't have an effect on me this year, it, it might have an effect on me in three years. All of a sudden, if the NBA wants to do a play-in tournament, let's say, for real, in three years, and they push it forward, then the uh, the Western Conference owners have the argument of, well, you had no problem doing this in 2020. What's changed? And if they say, well, it's a travel issue, blah, 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 and the Western Conference owners come back and say, okay, we'll do the playoff, the play-in tournament at a neutral site, no travel. Everybody's there, neutral site thing. That's done. Now you have no argument against it. Now all of a sudden, you're potentially screwing yourself out of a playoff spot in three years. So if I'm then, I'm coming back with like, you really want to fight so hard to get the Spurs and the Kings into the playoffs? Like, just right. do 10 and 10 and bring the Wizards in and uh, and Charlotte into the playoffs. And that is not necessarily what I think should happen if you go 20. I'm... I'm big on one through 16 seeding and put the best, the teams with the best records in there. But if I'm an Eastern conference owner, that's definitely my strategy going into any kind of vote like that. Would you do one through 16 this year or no, just cause it's too, it'd be too gimmicky. I'm fine. I'm actually, that's the one thing I'm fine with because that's not gimmicky. I mean, it's, it's a change, but everyone agrees. That's the fairer way to do it. The only reason they don't do it is because of travel concerns. And there are no travel concerns, so that that I'm I'm fine with. If they want to do it like that, to, that's not an issue that I have. To me, that would be. Um, I haven't really thought this all the way through, but I'm just going to say it. That would maybe make the asterisk. That would make it a legit asterisk. And what I mean by legit asterisk to me, like I would have, it would be that champion would be shaky grounds because they haven't done it before and i just think that's kind of like like what lebron's gotten to so many finals one because he's lebron but the east hasn't been the west you know what i mean and there's so from a team like milwaukee who's dominated the east done everything they're supposed to do are you going to tell them that they're going to have to go they might have to face the clippers nuggets rockets before the finals like I think it'd just be too weird to do right now um, because I think if you do one through 16 seating, then you should change the regular season. I don't think you should do 82 games for verse. Like, I think that should be changed too. If you're going to do that. Um, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I just, yeah, I, I think if you're going to do one through 16 playoffs, the regular season format needs to be changed. I don't, I, I, there should be it should be a level playing field as, or at least as level as it can get. So if the Bucks are going to play Cleveland, Atlanta, and Detroit twelve times a year, um, and get probably twelve wins, I, I think they should instead of playing Detroit four times, they maybe play Detroit twice, and you play 
Memphis twice if you're going to do the one through 16. Uh, or they already play them twice, but you know what I mean. Maybe three and three or something like that. Play the Western Conference teams more than twice. You know what? You're right. I agree with you. You swayed me. I I just it made sense. You 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 made sense. I I just oh, I'm not. Yeah. Everything that I would want to do would be to just make sure that this champion was not a thing where we look back on it and like, you know, let's say the Bucks win the title and then let's say they win three more titles after this one. And so they just reel off four straight. We'll probably say no matter what, the Bucks won four straight titles. But let's say the Bucks win the title and then Giannis never gets another and they get out of the group stage. And the Lakers and the Clippers both lose in the the group stage. And the Bucks kind of just go and the the Mavericks go to the Western Conference Finals and the Bucks end up playing Indiana in the Western Conference Finals because DeMontis Sabonis just had an incredible quarantine. Like where <laughs> and then and then Giannis doesn't get another title. We are not we are going to Hold that against him. More than hold that against them. We're going to say Giannis never won a real title. Yeah, he might as well right. be Charles Barkley and Carl Malone. And right. that would be an unbelievable shame because it might not be true. Because if we just yeah. did this the real way, the Bucks might have still won the title because the Bucks are freaking awesome. And Giannis is, Giannis is absolutely incredible. And the Bucks might win the title in a real way. So I just would never want to hurt actively hurt a potential legacy. So so I, I actually agree with you. I probably was wrong on saying I, I would be okay. I, I would be more okay with one for 16, one through 16, but but I, I guess I, I'm not advocating for it. I just, I, 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 I just think it's a bad idea to change the playoff format in the middle of the season. That's really what it yeah, no, comes I, down to. You know? No, I think you're right, and I think the easiest thing to do and it shouldn't be that simple, or it shouldn't be that hard. Is you just tell the nine and ten te- the nine and ten seeds in both conferences, tough luck. Um, it's unfortunate, blah blah blah. Maybe we'll give you some type of financial compensation or something like that. But we're just going to take the top eight, eight teams in each, take sixteen teams to the bubble and Eastern Conference versus Western Conference, and bam, people will be fine with that. People will be. It's not too. You're not straying away from the norm basketball will be back people will be happy i just it shouldn't be that hard like that should just be the way they're doing it yeah we'll see what ends up happening we might just be screaming and in, into a void well we are screaming into a void right now but we well, what do you think about the lottery implications though i've wondered that myself like if you make a make the plan tournament are you are you out of the lottery and if you make the plan tournament and then you happen to win does it what's it do to your draft positioning I, I don't believe that you should be allowed to play in any sort of playoff thing. And to me, playoff playing tournaments are the playoffs. You should. I, I think if you do that, you're out of the lottery. Yeah. That yeah, I'm with you. Have I ever told you? And I don't know if it would. It wouldn't really work here. But maybe there's a way they could do it. It would still involve way too many teams. But have I ever told you my how I think the lottery should be decided? I don't think so. To get rid of tanking. It's, there's a flawed part, and I'll tell you the flawed part after. I'll, I'll, I will tell you my plan, and then you tell me what you think, and then if you don't say the flawed part, I'll say it. Okay. All right? After the season, the teams that don't make the playoffs 
go in a they play in a tournament, single elimination tournament, and the winner of the tournament gets the number one pick. So, one, if you're not making the playoffs, to me, the worst team in the league and the team that misses the playoffs, unless it's like due to injury or something, which obviously is part of a flaw, but the 12th seed and the 15th seed both need the number one pick, clearly. Like, it doesn't matter who's worse than who to the teams to get to that spot. They need to be, they need more talent. Single elimination, the winner gets the number one pick, the finalist gets the number two pick, and then you do the lottery odds after that. thoughts that way teams would always kind of be incentivized to put together decent rosters so like i always use jr smith as an example jr smith of five years ago if he was good then i haven't looked at his stats i can't remember a team would be maybe more willing to go sign jamal crawford this year or jr smith a few years ago instead of that 21 year old undrafted guy you know what I mean? Like it would give maybe more veterans more jobs because teams want to be semi-competitive for this playing tournament. Okay, so what's the flaw? Not playing tournament, but uh, draft tournament. What's the flaw? Why in the hell would Blake Griffin play in a game to help the Pistons get the number one pick? Right, that's true. You would have players yeah. leading the taking. It would go the opposite way. Yeah, it, and that's the flaw. Like everything's sounds so great until it's like oh yeah why would blake help the pistons get the guy that's going to take his job at some point you know what i mean right right players players that's the not thing. blake specifically but you know what i mean players players don't care about draft positioning they just don't right i've never spoken to a player who has been excited about getting a high draft pick right it's just exactly. never happened they don't they don't care they don't get excited about it I understand why uh, yeah. they want to go out and they want to, but players also want to go out and they want to win. Like what if, what if you, um, what if you combined it with some other kind of reward? That's what I was thinking. My thing was like each player on the winning team gets a million dollars, but then it goes back to this Blake risk injury for a million dollars when he has 900 quadrillion dollars. No, probably not. So I need to I need to figure out that part of it, but I I like it. I I like that idea of teams having to build better rosters, giving veteran guys that are sitting on free agency, give them chances because you want to go win this tournament to get the number one pick. Yeah, you got you gotta like you gotta get on um like a twenty five year old NBA players level. Like it's like if you. If you lose or don't play, then you have to make an incredibly embarrassing video on TikTok. Like that's what it's got to be. <laughs> that's the shame. Yeah, like you, you, like you that. social media shame players if they lose, and then that's what it is. <laughs> there we go. We solved it. Because that like that. that will get through to Blake Griffin more than a million dollars. You're right. I think that would. That's the missing piece. TikTok shaming. If you don't play hard and help your team get the number one pick and have them draft the guy that could arguably take your job or your best friend's job or the guy next to you's job. There you go. That's, 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 yeah, you're right. That, that is a flaw. It's, it's also like, it's a big flaw. I I see people propose, I see people propose the tournament for number one and 
it would encourage a different kind of tanking. Right. Teams teams in now nowadays we don't really see teams in the eighth seed just try to jump to the ninth ninth place positioning. To to me, I think in some ways the tanking conversation is is messed up. Now I don't mean this within teams, I mean like within the public. People talk about why would you get the eighth seed when you can be in the lottery? Like tank so you can fall out of the playoffs. And to right. me, that's a that's a silly that's a silly thing because if you players want to win. Well, if not even that, if you're I tanking is a is a philosophy. It is either at the start of the year or with two or three months remaining in the year. We are going to try to get as high of a pick as we possibly can. We want to get into those top five, top six odds, whatever it ends up being, so we have a chance to really get a high pick and make a difference maker. If yeah. if you go into the lottery with the 14th best odds or 13th best odds at number one, I mean, well, you've got a 0.7% chance at the number one pick. Who who cares? At that point, yeah. there, there's almost no way. No one with the 13th best odds has ever, you know, with like the eighth best odds, Teams like that have gotten the number one pick. No one in Memphis did it last year with six, I think they were. No no one, the Bulls in the Derrick Rose year did it with the eighth best odds. It, that's happened. No one with like 13 has ever done it. Your, your odds are so microscopically small that yeah. there's benefit to making the playoffs. Like you can get your, if you're a young team, you can get your young players, playoff experience. I hate to tell people this, but the extra money does make a difference to teams like that. That can be sure. part of it, it. Shouldn't be driving what you do as an organization at the start of the year. It shouldn't be driving how you make signings in the off season. But when it comes to the last couple of weeks of the season, if it's like your two options are, I can be ninth or I can be eighth. I'd rather be eighth. Um, yeah. But in that scenario, I'd rather be ninth. So you're gonna get eight seeds. Like not only is is Blake Griffin not gonna want to play in that tournament, you're gonna get organizations. In the who are like in the eighth seed, telling the Blake Griffins of the world to sit down for the last two, you know, the last two weeks of the season because they want to drop into ninth. So, because they think yeah. they can win that tournament, because now all of a sudden you're the best team in the bad team tournament that's that's going for it, and you have a real chance to win and and get the number one pick. So it would really mess with the playoffs too, and you'd have teams going into the playoffs so like the bottom of the Eastern Conference is just going to look like you know. Like uh, the Nets are going to be the seven seed and they're going to be on a six game losing streak to end the year. Orlando's going to be on an eight game losing streak to end the year. The Wizards are going to be on a six game losing streak to end the year. It's going to go down. It's going to be all the same yeah. thing. You're going to be you like, you know, if you get the nine seed and the eight seed playing. I remember a couple of years ago, um, the the Wolves and uh, the Wolves in Denver played the last day of the year for the, it was basically a playing game. They were tied and they played the last game of the year. Winner winner yeah. ends up getting the eight seed. And it ended up being a great game. It was an awesome game. It was super fun. It's just a thing we never really see in basketball. The schedule just, the the world, had, so many things have to be perfect, you know, in order for that to work out, right? And it was great. It was super fun. And no, it was. I actually remember where I was. I was actually sitting with Blake. It was Pistons Bulls last game of the year, and everybody was in there watching that game. That was a fun game. Yes, it was. And Minnesota ends up getting the eight seed um, and then ends up getting killed in the first round. And imagine that game. Well, imagine that game if it ends 
with Minnesota and Denver just constantly taking eight second violations. Right. Because none of them <laughs> eight second, 24 <laughs> second and five second violations. Cause none of them even want to take a risk that someone's going to score. Like that's, that's what you potentially have in that game. And my, my Lord, would that be terrible? Yeah, it's definitely flawed. I think what you said the first time is it's an organizational thing. So more so than the teams taking eight second calls, it's the guys sitting out the last week and a half, two weeks of the season because the team's telling them they want to play for the the number one pick rather than the eight seed. So I had that flaw to the list. Yeah. I thought I was getting closer, not further away. <laughs> you got anything else before we uh, wrap up? Um. Uh, Nuggets fans, I, I love you. I'm one of you. Um, but you're just wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Jokic is great. I'm not absurd for taking Porzingis and Anthony Davis on a team that has Giannis over instead of Jokic. I'm just not. Yeah, so three of the four biggest snubs that we talked about for that draft, Embiid, Jokic, and Beal. Cat and Ingram. Well, I was going to say three of three of those guys are very possibly going to be on my all NBA ballots. <laughs> Jokic is Jokic is going to be my first team center. Yep. Unless I end up fudging fudging it and put Anthony Davis at center. I thought you would put Mitchell Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Jokic gets it. No, I, think I, I don't think I'll fudge it and put Anthony Davis at center. I'm like, I think you got to go with the position they really play and yeah ad just played some center this year but they have two full-time center yeah that's the thing i would be more prone to to sliding him to center on an awards ballot if the lakers didn't actively have to sign two full-time centers because he just openly doesn't want to play there yeah like he publicly said i'm not yeah if you if you don't want to play there and you want to play a power forward then you have to deal with the repercussions of being second team all nba at power forward yep i would agree that's just that's that's just how it works like i'm not not going out of my way to fudge it and put you on first team when there's like if Maybe I'm in a different sentiment if there's just it's just like one of those years where it's just like 2015 DeAndre Jordan is first team all all NBA, right? And he's not even a top 15 player in the league at that point, probably. Uh, but center was just so weak then. Now it's like there's so many good centers, and Jokic is such a legitimate first teamer. It's like I'm not, I'm not doing that just to bump him. So AD's probably got to be second in that case. His fault. Shouldn't have said it. He could have played center this year. This isn't a hold it against him thing. It's just like he didn't play center very much this year. No, they, I was but, I was always against like people trying to cheat on their ballots and like yeah, Draymond played eighteen percent of his minutes at center, so play him at center. It's like that means yeah. he played eighty two percent of his minutes not at center, so don't play him <laughs> yeah. at center. Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, this is this is not so like this is. All NBA is not uh, is not like this draft that we're doing where we get creative and fun and like this is a thing that writers fall into with shit all the time. Uh, no, there's like there's things at stake. Yeah, where it's like we this draft thing we did stuff because it was fun and it was interesting and like of course there's an element of like we have to write a good article, you know, like it can't just right. we're gonna do things that are that are more 
interesting. And I think that's part of like the improvement projection bias that I was talking about. Like that's, that's more interesting. Yeah. That's more interesting. It's more fun to write about. It's more fun to read about why, why in the world you took Imoni Bates, um, than taking this other guy who's already an all-star and really good, who everyone knows and agrees is really good. That's just more interesting to read about. And that's that's our bias as a writer. But we got to remove that when we do all NBA stuff. And we're like, isn't it more fun to put Draymond at center? It's like, yeah, sure. But that that is, that is it's just not the way this should be done. You put the yes. best players in the positions they played. If if all NBA changes to positionless and you just put the five best players at first team, five best players at second team, second best, you know, five, six through 10 at second team and 11 through 15 at third team, if that's how it changes to, then great, do that. That's not the format it is. We don't make the format. So anyway. I'm with you. People who don't take the you. award voting as seriously as I think they should always. It should be taken with the utmost seriousness, like I said, because that stuff's built into contracts, money, guys get money. For certain things yeah it's uh, more than that and too. you should just have a duty as a person one having a vote and two in your job to just be as accurate as possible like don't vote for the guy that is on the team you cover just because you could tell him and it might get you some access it's just not how this works yeah i mean it's more than that too it's also like it's part of history you know yeah, like it's kind of like what i was saying with the playoffs before it's this is a major thing People look back on all NBA bursts. People look back on MVPs. People look back on six man, six man of the year and defensive players of the year and all that kind of stuff. People look back on that and it really counts towards a player's le- legacy, toward the history of the game. It, it's, yep. it's a thing that matters. It's an encapsulation of that season. It's, a, it, it's part of an encapsulation of a player's career. And if you're someone who's a consistent voter, you're going to have a consistent say on many players' legacies. And um, that if you are high enough up to be an award voter covering the NBA, then you understand what that means. If you don't understand what that means, then I don't know what to tell you. But you should understand the importance of just the history of the league. Presumably, you've read about the history of the league. You've watched old games. Maybe you lived through it, through parts of it. Like that is something that you should have an appreciation for. And just kills me, kills me, kills me if people don't. Anything to plug before we go? Um, do I have anything to plug? I've really been on my on my soapbox today. Um, have I written anything that I want to plug? Yeah, I mean, Pistons are looking for a quote unquote GM. So if you are at all interested in the Pistons or their GM search. Yeah, come hang out over on the Athletic Detroit. If you want to read about Tankathon suggestions for the Pistons, come over and read. Other than that, uh, I have a big story coming in a month or two, but other, it's still pretty localized. So, no, I mean, if you just get bored and want to read about the Pistons after you're done reading about the Wizards, I don't know why you would do that to yourself, but if you want to, come on over. James L. Edwards Third on Twitter. James has great work on the Pistons beat. You can go over there and check it out on uh, Friday at noon. If you're an athletic subscriber, I'm going to be doing a live Q and a with fans on the site. So come and you can ask about anything that I talked about over here. You can ask about wizard stuff, NBA stuff, really anything else. I've gotten questions about like gossip girl on there before. So if you want to ask about anything, you can ask it. I'll probably answer it. 
so 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 come join at noon Eastern time on Friday. If you're not a subscriber, you want to ask a question, you want to come on and read other things, you want to read this draft story that James and I just talked about for a while or the Hollinger follow up with him grading the draft picks again. You can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark and you can get 40% off on an annual subscription. That's $36 for a year-long subscription to everything on The Athletic. MLB, NBA, NFL, all our national writers, David Aldridge, Michael Lee, James, me, everybody else. So you can go there, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and that's 40% off on an annual transcription. I keep saying transcription. Subscription. for the year. You can also subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Uh, Get Wizards After Dark on anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Obviously, you listen to podcasts because you're listening to this one. And you can go on iTunes and leave a review of Wizards After Dark if you enjoy it. That really helps. I can always show it to people and I can say, hey, look at these reviews. People like this. And it, it helps with the iTunes ratings and that kind of stuff more than uh, more than you might imagine. So if you go to iTunes and you want to leave a five-star review, that would be awesome. Uh, you want to actually write an actual review, just a short thing saying that you enjoy the show. If you're a fan of it, that would be great as well. Uh, I did two this week, but that doesn't mean I won't be back next week. Uh, I, I'm, I might do one. I might do two. Well, the boy, the NBA has a board of governors meeting Friday. We'll see how that goes. Maybe we're we're getting more clarity on the playoff stuff by next week, and maybe we'll be talking about that. There might be other Wizards things to talk about. Uh, DC is ending its its uh, shelter-in-place or start, uh, starting phase one to come out of its shelter-in-place on Friday, which means the Wizards practice facility could be opening not long after that. They're one of, I believe, six teams right now who doesn't have its practice facility open for socially distanced work, socially distanced workouts. So uh, yeah. that, that could be coming... Not long after, I know they were planning on opening it up when the original shelter in place was supposed to lift a couple of weeks ago, and then Mayor Bowser extended it, and uh, of course they weren't able to do it. So my my educated guess would be that that's going to follow um, not crazy long after this this starts to happen. Uh, I will be back next week. I'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>